Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, brought to you by Twisted Tea. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, yo, Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Shane, I got a vent here. Oh, and- <laughs> shit. It's Friday, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do. We've got some great... Football, training camp, I get it. People are here for that. But mm-hmm. I just gotta get something off my chest real quick. Okay. I think uh I think that I think insurance is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say insurance? Insurance. Insurance, at least for my car that got oh, smashed geez. into. Uh real real quick, Shane, I'll tell you the story here. So basically I took it to a place to get an estimate. Uh-huh. Car's fine. You know, both sides of it are being dinged up really bad, but it's operational. Shane, I've had that car since 2011. It's an older car. Yeah. It's got 90,000 miles on it, which is pretty low for a car that I I take great care of it. They say this is a total, uh, they call it a total loss vehicle because yeah. to fix it, it would cost more than what it's worth. So yeah. I said, well, just give, uh, how about if I fix it? How much is it going to cost? They said, it's going to cost $4,000 to fix it. I said, how much money are you going to give me? They said, 6000 So I was like, how about you just fix it for four and keep 2000 <laughs> They said, no, we can't do that, but we'll give you the money. You can do it on your own. And I've been calling around all Nashville. Nobody in Nashville will touch a total loss vehicle because they can't insure the parts to fix something. Even though it's my money, I got the money up front. Here's the money. Fix the car. They won't do it. So I'm going to have to buy a new car, which I feel like this is just a total scam. <laughs> I mean, well, I, am I wrong? No, no, no. Don't get me started the insurance. I, I will tell you, and mine's more on the medical side. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, but uh, I'm sure people didn't tune into that SEC podcast to hear our <laughs> thoughts on the insurance, but clearly we're not presented by us. Oh, well, shit, we got Nationwide doing their thing, so maybe they're on our side. Maybe we should... <laughs> Maybe we should edit that part out. They're not the insurer, I promise you. All right, that's why you should go with Nationwide. So, but (laughs) but Mike, I I I hate that for you, brother, because you know we've all been there. We've all been on the receiving end, and and I I mean, thanks to Twisted Team, maybe we could get you a new vehicle, Mike. (laughs) Don't drink and drive. But yes, this is a football show, Shay. So let's get into it. And uh, we we got a number of camp updates, really good stuff. We've had some scrimmages across the SEC. But, hey, I'm going to steal an idea I I saw, Shane. I'm going to give them credit from uh, Southeastern 14. We just had the owner of Southeastern 14, Chris Lee, on the show last week. But uh, their Twitter account, they threw this out, Shane. And I wanted to ask you, because I thought this was a, a pretty interesting question here, which quarterback and receiver trio puts up the better numbers this fall texas a&m with connor wigman anaya smith evan stewart moose muhammad i mean that's an elite group right there or kentucky devin leary dane key barry and brown tavian robinson Mm -hmm. and that that kind of stumped me when i looked at it because 
Yes, I, I realize both of those teams, th- these are the ones we've been highlighting for a couple of weeks now. I think both have the potential to be the, the most improved offenses in the SEC. Yeah. New coordinators, Bobby Petrino and Liam Cohen. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a great question. So who do you think is going to be the most productive? And, and you can spin it however you want, you know, whether yeah. that's y- yards or touchdowns or just – which passing attack you think opponents fear the most next season, Texas A&M or Kentucky? Whew, buddy, that is tough when you say it that way. And I, I, I think I could. I, I'm going to word it a couple of different ways. Like if I'm going into a game, and mm-hmm. and remove Texas A&M, remove Kentucky. I'm just looking at a quarterback and a group of receivers. Mm. I. I worry more about Kentucky's quarterback, but I worry more about Texas A&M's wide receivers. So that's why it's such a tough question because it could go either way. Now, if you're talking stat line at the end of the year, who's going to have the best? The reason that I'm more leaning toward Texas A&M is because mm-hmm. I think they're going to be in more of a shootouts. Um, I, when you're looking at Kentucky, there's a handful of games, especially right out of the gate. I think you can you can have some conservative games, and when you have conservative games, stat lines get affected at the end of the day. So uh, I, I feel like I'm talking out the side of both my mouth here, but I, I'm I'm going to lean more slightly toward. I don't know, Kentucky man. <laughs> I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's when, when the, when the dust settles, you yeah. know, Kentucky, Kentucky's got some dudes, man, that are just freaks. And I'm not saying Texas A&M doesn't, but they're just, they're built there. All three of them are just different. And then you got Leary. I just got a little more confidence because you know where there's not quarterback competition in Lexington, Kentucky right now. So I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I, I got the blue shirt on. Let's go Kentucky on this one. I'm glad but, you but went barely, that way. Barely. I, I'm glad you went that way, Shane, because I was going to say the opposite of whatever you said because there's no wrong answer here. Yeah. That's but a I tough was one. I was wanting to say Texas A&M, so it worked out well for me. But – Hey, you're dead on. I mean, we don't even know if Connor Wigman for sure is going to be the starting quarterback. But I just love Evan Stewart and that group. Hell, I love Kentucky's trio too. So, again, there is no wrong answer. That's why I thought this was a really great one. But uh, I got a couple more of these, Shane. I just figured I'd, you know, needle one fan base or another. And maybe the best rivalry in the SEC that they don't even play that often. Georgia or Alabama – Let's do the same thing. We, we don't even know the quarterback at either one. We assume Carson Beck at Georgia yeah. with the likes of Brock Bowers and Dominic Lovick, Lad McConkey. They got some elite uh, pass catchers. Alabama, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Buckner, the transfer. They've got, some, they've got a really good core, too. They don't have the elite high-end players that Georgia has right now at receiver tight end, but they I think they may have a more – all-around better group. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, Malik Benson, that star Juco transfer they got coming in. Yeah. Which one of those do you think is a more effective passing uh, attack this fall, Georgia or Alabama? Now, we're, we're, we're putting Bowers in this, right? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. Well, then I'm going Georgia. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if, if you remove the tight end, I think you got a, an argument here. But mm. with Brock on that field, 
geez, I mean, how could you not say this this team? And, and, and what I've seen from Beck, I've seen glimpse. You know, we haven't got to see mm-hmm. all of it, you know, but there there has been some moments out there you're like, damn, Georgia's going to be just fine. Alabama, mm-hmm. we got a few more question marks there. Yeah, and that's kind of why these two are so interesting, Shane, with new quarterbacks, new offensive coordinators. And just because a guy was number one receiver or number two receiver last year doesn't mean they will be the following season because we don't know how they have the chemistry with the new quarterback. And there's a lot that goes into it. But I I think Georgia is the answer given the fact that uh, Mike Bobo, who we're going to hear from in just a second, he was there last year. So it's not a completely new offense. And he should have uh, Carson Beck if that is the starter, which we assume it will be. You know, it's not going to be much different than what Carson Beck is used to. So I got to lean Georgia on that one as well. Mike, I want to ask you something. I I saw something Mm -hmm. on Twitter, and I'd love to give the guy credit. I can't remember exactly who it was, but he made an interesting comment about the narrative you're hearing out of Tuscaloosa. And we've embraced it like, let's get physical, let's move the ball, you know, yada, yada, yada. But – the the way this was was postured was like, don't you want your coach saying that when they've got no faith in your quarterback? That hey, how can I instead of saying hey, we're in trouble because we can't do like we've been doing offensively, that we're going to have to lean more into the running game because that's our strongest play. Is is that a narrative that the coaches would come out to to bolster this team and and not alarm them that they may struggle offensively? Well, perhaps Shane, but I also think we're, we're just to the point of the off season where we can talk ourselves in anything. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. and I think the most uh, concerning thing is Alabama adding Tyler Buckner, especially after going back and watching what he did. And yeah. remember, they didn't do that before spring football. They had a month with these guys, and they said, oh, we got to bring someone in. And, oh, oh yeah, we brought in a guy that they brought in a guy to replace because he wasn't good enough. So your actions speak louder than your words, and Alabama's actions suggest very little confidence in their quarterbacks, at least to me. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's do the same game, Shane. I just got two more. I think you'll like this one. Florida? Who knows what we're getting there? Graham uh-huh. Mertz. It, apparently, they, they think they're going to name – by the time this episode's out, Shane, Graham Mertz probably is going to be named the starting quarterback down there in Florida. Right. Ricky Persall, number one receiver. And then you got a bunch of unknowns, that true freshman Andy Jean, Marcus Burke, Caleb Douglas. So, you know, some, some real questions there. Yeah. Or Mizzou, Shane. Brady mm. Cook or Sam Horn. I, I really don't think it's going to be Jake Garcia at this point. Luther Burden. Theo Weiss, Mookie Cooper, Makai Miller. They got maybe a, a more proven receiving core at Missouri. Which passing attack do you think is more effective in the fall, Florida's or Missouri's? Because the answer to this question, Shane, is probably going to dictate which team finishes higher in the SEC East standings. Man, that's good. That's that's a good one, Mike. That's a good one. Because – my concern is these quarterbacks are a two different paths right now. You know, I'm looking at Mertz and I'm looking at these highlights and I'm and I'm listening to the the beat writers and and they're all saying, "Damn, we we may have something here." Mm-hmm. And then 
we go to Mizzou and and I'm I'm watching Sam throw the football. You know, I'm watching, <laughs> I, and I'm I'm one of them, man. That saying, well, damn, do we have the right guy starting here? And again, I know it's I'm not in practice. I'm not seeing everything, and and and, and sometimes I get emotional and, and I make an emotional pick. And and I love Mizzou. Everybody knows I love Mizzou. But the one thing that I love about the Florida Gators is that rushing offense. Something yeah. Mizzou doesn't have, even though that's not in your 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 narrative here but i think that alleviates some of the pressure and makes it easier for Mertz to be more productive so mm. sounds kind of crazy here but i'm <laughs> i'm leaning a little more toward the gators Ooh, that is and i love but- luther i love luther <laughs> don't get me wrong i love this team i'm not giving up on you boys i'm just saying right now if i'm picking one i, I may be leaning a little more to the to the gator side Mm. All right, final one like this, Shane. I know this is going to be a tough one for you because we've been singing the praises of both these teams and these fans, Shane. It seems like when I praise one, the other's got to jump in. And what about us? You know, disrespect card. These teams uh, have a lot in common heading into the season. Arkansas? Yeah. Best quarterback in the SEC, according to us. But new system, unproven weapons at at receiver – largely or mississippi state another great quarterback <sighs> new system couple of really good receivers i mean could go either way this is this is a tough one chain arkansas or mississippi state which one do you think is has the most effective passing attack this fall oh my man I don't know if I like this game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> My brain is already fried here, and, and I'm thinking that, oh, man, Mike, I love K.J. Jefferson. You know that. Mm-hmm. But I think Will Rogers is getting shit on a little bit. <laughs> Here's the deal. I'm just tell- I'm, this. This is how my two brain cells are working right now. They're saying, hey, you got two really good quarterbacks. One you like more than the other, and I'll let you guess who that is. But I love these receivers. I love the talent that Mississippi State has as mm-hmm. as far as the core. Question marks at Arkansas. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. We're going to get to some clips here in a minute. And Sam tried to persuade me. But I'm going to go with them Arkansas Razorbacks, baby. <laughs> but it's damn close. That's a good one, man. That that one is right down the line. Uh, I truly do think that that Mississippi State, as far as their offense and their firepower, they're going to be exciting. And they may have better stats than than Arkansas. But when you got a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson, I mean, shit, brother. You, me and you could run routes for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear some of the comments after these ones. But, uh, that, hey, that's a, a, a great uh, a plug. Don't forget, Sunday, going live, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 Central. We're going to be going live every Sunday, moving forward through the football season. So we can have these type of conversations with people chiming in and, and sharing their thoughts. So can't wait for that. But let's get into it, Shane, with uh, Alabama. Let's lead the way. With uh, Nick, I still uh-huh. can't. Th- I said run routes, like me and you actually running routes. Maybe that was a terrible <laughs> segue. Sorry, the, the brain cells are still firing here, Mike. Let's start with the goat shade, Nick Saban, down there. The, we're about to have scrimmage number one in Tuscaloosa, 
But uh, the main goal here for Nick Saban, I thought I just thought this was pretty interesting, Shane. He's he's still, you know, this is a guy who the only thing he focuses on on what's next, what he's got to do in the next ten minutes, the next hour, and before he gets to the next day, and on and on and on. He he lives a structured life, never looking back. Well, he's already looking back, shaded camp, to saying Tennessee, LSU. We came up just short because in the fourth quarter, two of the longest games of the season. You know, maybe he's calling out the the conditioning. That's something that uh, you know we we don't talk enough about. Remember a couple of years ago, Scott Cochran left yeah. to go to Georgia, and ever since that time, I mean, I know they love the those strength and conditioning people they got during the COVID year, but since that time, it there has been a little bit of toughness a little bit of edge a little bit of I don't want to say weakness in the line of scrimmage but not that elite elite play we're yeah. used to seeing from Nick Saban's Alabama team so let's kick it over to Nick Saban the goal of camp we got to fix these these mental issues here in the fourth quarter so I think the number one thing we need to uh, focus on is um, you know we, we have to increase the level of attention to detail um, focus on every play. I mean, so that w- w- we can play and not have penalties and missed assignments. And, you know, communication goes with that. I don't care whether you're playing the offensive line, you make a line call, whether you're playing secondary, you make a coverage call. So everybody's on the same page. And you can anticipate things, and you can play better, and you can play faster. Um, but and I think sometimes when things get a little bit like difficult, we lose our focus a little bit. And you know, one of the interesting things somebody brought to my attention, the two longest games that we had last year, almost four hours long, two games, Tennessee and LSU. We made mistakes at the end of the game, which were very costly. And um, so the ability to sustain this level of concentration and focus, no matter what you call it, deeper folk, whatever, is something that we really, really need to do and continue to work on um, so that we have a chance to be, you know, more consistent as a team and don't make plays that are, that are drive killers or give up explosive plays on defense or help the other team with penalties or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I like the, the, the attitude that the team has. I like the, the togetherness. I like the sort of um, sense of commitment to the principles and values that everybody seems to be buying into. But that's something that we need to work on, and every guy has got to do a good job of, you know, working on that. All right, Shane, so how interesting is that, Shane, that he's, he basically said, hey, we, we came up short. We weren't tough enough. We weren't mentally, physically ready for some of these long games that we got. And you know CBS is the final time they can get Alabama, Shane. They're going to put Alabama on the damn CBS game of the week as many times as they can, which means they're going to have some four-hour football games coming this fall. Mike, it's it's something we talked about in the offseason, attention to detail. And, and I know it's I know it's August, what is it, August 11th, you guys are listening to this, and, and you're thinking, hey, it's just another practice. But 
in practice, you got to practice to be perfect so that when it's game time, you know exactly what you're supposed to do so you don't make those stupid mistakes that they made last year. And that's what he's talking about, the extent of the game. The games mm. could have ended sooner if they didn't make the dumb mistakes that they made. And they made plenty of them, brother. So, it's again, it's attention to details because the small mistakes you make now are gaping holes during teams like LSU and Tennessee. Right. And then one final thing here from Nick Saban. I thought this was just kind of funny, Shane. I mean, he he did not appreciate this question. I don't know if he understood the question, but hell, yeah. whatever they got at center, it's got nothing to do with what they got at quarterback, but uh, he is asked, I think the question all head coaches hate, Shane, any chance you use multiple quarterbacks this fall? Skill sets of your options behind center make a two-quarterback system possible, and is that something you'd even consider moving forward? I haven't even thought about it, to be honest with you, and I don't see how those things are related. Okay. So, I, I don't know if we've had two quarterbacks around here before, but that doesn't mean we had to change the center. Or that one guy went with one center and the other guy went with another center. I, the options you have at quarterback, does that create an option? Do you have, do the skill sets match, or would they be beneficial for a two-quarterback system? Nothing to do with the Every center that we have can snap to every quarterback that we have. And it, it, That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking the options you have at quarterback, their skill sets, does that lend to a two-quarterback system? Would that be possible and would that be something you can do? You know, we're trying to develop all of our quarterbacks right now, so that's not something that we've talked about to this point. If we think it's going to help us win down the road, then we'll certainly consider it. I say the fact that he wouldn't go there, that kind of leads me to believe that he is considering playing two quarterbacks this fall. What's your thoughts? I just it's good to hear fired up again, you know. I, I don't like smiling Nick Saban, kissing ass with the media. I like I like him to make it like super uncomfortable in that room. That's yeah. exactly what we got here, brother. So that part I liked, but I don't know. I'm reading it. You could read into that all you want. I think we're going to have one quarterback. I don't think we'll have multiple. But, again, I've been wrong many a times. So, we'll see how this plays out. Everybody in the audience knows we love Sam Pippen, Shane. And he was asked recent, uh, on Thursday to share his thoughts on conference realignment. And this just made me love him even more, Shane. <laughs> Sharing your thoughts on just what's happened with the, the realignment and everything recently. You know – Guys, it, nothing's happened in the SEC. So, for me to be concerned about what's going on in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and all that kind of stuff, I'm in two days. I, I mean, a lot of times, and I appreciate the question, I do. But I mean, some some things really are out of our control, and if they're out of our control, I don't know what my opinion really matters, to be perfectly honest with you. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect our team. It doesn't affect the state of Arkansas. And uh, the people that are going through it, I think they'd have a better opinion of it than me, to be honest. Hey, if it don't affect the SEC, don't ask me about this garbage. It, it, I mean, he was kind with his response. But, uh, I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it with uh, everybody wanting to talk about it. Well, we're in the middle of fall camps here, brother. Yeah. We are days away from college football. Get that garbage off my timeline. Let's focus on, on the field because that's all that really matters. No, that's, that is all that matters, Mike. And, and I think we're at the point we've asked everybody. 
right? We know where it's at. The dust is settled. Nothing else should be happening. And if it does, like Sam said, it's not going to affect the greatest conference in the country. So I, I don't see that there's any more news to drain from this one. So I'm glad to move on to actual football content. Right. And Che, we've talked about breakout players. We talked about receivers needing to step up for KJ Jefferson this fall. And a, a lot of the focus is always on new guys, you know, freshmen, transfers, Satania. Well, he's not a new guy, he's a sophomore. But there's another sophomore, Shane, that has caught the eye of Coach Sam Pittman. And that is uh, the former four star, true sophomore here, Sam Mbake. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman. So much talk about you know the transfer wide receivers and they've looked good and stuff but one guy that doesn't seem to get mentioned a lot and every time you look up it's a 50-yard touchdown is Bakke what have you seen out of him and is he gonna be able to help you heck yeah he's gonna be able to help us I mean Bakke is a wonderful person and he plays uh, 90 miles an hour all the time and it's important to him uh, he has improved in every aspect of his game, speed, strength, uh, awareness of, of what he's doing. Um, but I, I, Bakke will, will be on the field as much as anybody uh, this year. I, I really like the kid. He's, he, uh, he's an awful hard worker. They got some cool names down there in Arkansas, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love about camp, though, Get, picking up these nuggets. And, and yeah. who's – Who's making plays? Who's stepping up? Who's a guy that we are not even on our radar that is showing up? Now they got to be consistent with it, particularly these these younger players, these sophomores. But hey, maybe they got more weapons than we realize down there. And another one he's asked about, and a lot of the fans have reached out to me about Luke Haas, true freshman tight end. That's another one to keep your eye on, Shane. He may be their starter at tight end. He's got some more comments about the tight end in just a second, but we may be underrating the weapons that KJ's got to work with. Well, Mike, that's, I mean, when you hear all the clips here, you're going to see why Shane leaned Arkansas here because I got fired <laughs> up. You know, when you're talking, like you said, about names, your, your, your head coach is coming out here praising you. You know, yeah. he's talking about these 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 different guys stepping up that you you weren't expecting maybe to be a, a serious contributor, and now they're they're going to be a big part of the offense. So this is this is what excites me, and uh, and you can just tell, yeah, coach coach gets a little you know like he's got some some new toys he wants to show off, you know. Right, and, and that was a couple. What was it? Week week and a half ago, he came out here opening training camp, and he was asked, "What are the." Biggest question marks for your roster. He's, he referenced tight end and linebacker, and those are two things that have stood out to Coach Sam Pittman here uh, about a week and a half, two weeks into camp. Or areas of the team you think have made the biggest improvements or units that you've been pleased with the most? Tight end. I feel a lot better about tight end than I did coming into camp. Number of linebackers. I'll be honest with you guys. My, my biggest concern was linebacker and depth coming in. Tight end and linebacker in depth. And I believe with Spence and Sanford coming on, uh, along with Manny Powell, I think we're going to be fine at linebacker. And uh, with what we had at tight end and the additions that we had come in, uh, I think we're going to be just fine there too. So those were my two biggest concerns, along with are our tackles good enough to win offensively uh, games in SEC. And I, I certainly believe in them as well. Oh, buddy, we're doing it again. We're getting hyped up on them Razorbacks. You know what? 
Oh, I love it, man. Well, even one that's not included on this show, you know, when he was in front of the players and he had that roster and he said, and it was, it was their roster. He's yeah. like, we got it. We have got that roster to compete in the SEC. We got the roster to be a top tier program in the SEC. And I, I, I mean, if Sam's believing it, these players are going to believe it. The fans need to believe it. And sure as shit, we're going to believe it when they start putting wins on the board. Right. And I also believe, Shane, in heading over to GameTimeSidekicks.com. <laughs> Head on over there and get you officially licensed NCAA stainless steel tumblers, sippy cups, bottles, dog bowls. This is outstanding quality stuff, Shane. And they've got all 16 SEC teams over, over there at GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use the promo code SEC for 20% off your entire order over at GameTimeSidekicks.com. You can find a link to this in the show notes. Please help the podcast uh, by taking advantage of these sponsorship opportunities. And we're also brought to you by Manscaped, Shane. Same promo code SEC will get you 20% off your entire order and free international shipping over at manscaped.com shade we got us a beard hedger pro kit courtesy of manscaped and i'm loving it shane i don't think my girlfriend has ever liked my beard better since i had this beard hedger pro and it comes with shampoo conditioner oil palm so head on over to manscaped.com and don't forget to use that promo code SEC for 20% off your entire order. And there's also link in the show notes to take advantage of both of these sponsorship opportunities. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch. 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. All right, Shane, so Tennessee already hitting the field for a scrimmage. How about Mm -hmm. that? That's when you know... Things are amping up. Things are getting close, brother. And Tennessee, unfortunately, you know, Shane tipped me off last night. He said, oh, God, season's over. I I was so excited. (laughs) But one of our key players is down, Cooper Mays. Let's let's get the real story from Coach Josh Heupel, Shane, who it doesn't sound near as bad as it could have been. Let's kick it over to him. Coach, could you talk about where you were at center today, what you saw out of center, and kind of what's the latest on Cooper's situation? Yeah, I figured somebody would go right to that based on, yeah, that's right. You're the uh, senior senior guy in the room, so it goes to you. Is that right? <laughs> nah. Uh, Coop had a, a minor procedure uh, late yesterday, and, and uh, uh, he'll be back. He'll be healthy uh, as we get close to kickoff. Uh, anticipate that being a couple-week deal. But uh, uh, today uh, we rotated through a bunch of guys, you know, Ollie, uh, Parker Ball, um, you know, young guys, Vison, Addison Nickel, and, and uh, those guys are all competing for, uh, for those spots. 
all of those guys have taken some reps, even when Cooper's here too, as as we continue to look for uh, for that backup center. I about jumped off the bridge, Mike. You know, <laughs> it's like the one position we really can't afford to get hurt. <laughs> But good news is, Shay, it sounds like Cooper Mazik will be back. And, hey, he's played enough where, you know, obviously you want your guys out there. You want them healthy. But silver lining, Shane, they really need to get reps for these backups, particularly at center. So, you know, maybe the next couple of weeks at camp we get up to speed Ollie Lane or whoever's got to be the backup uh, to, because who knows, you know, in the SEC, you're always going to need your backups yeah. uh, come fall. But uh, it feels like a disaster averted here for, for Tennessee with Cooper Mays not being down too bad. Yeah, and, and like you said, I think that this is the silver lining, the depth, because this – this is a this is a player that gets banged up a few times. So, you know, you always got to have somebody ready to step in. They had that luxury last year. They don't this year. So, uh, getting some of these young kids involved, I think, is not a, not a horrible thing by no means. But it's that time of year, man. Camps, scrimmages, injuries, they're popping up. And, and, and you just, again, you just say that little prayer to not none of your boys get hurt. Right. And then something we have been hitting at all offseason, Shane, the depth and the overall talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, as strong as it has ever been under Josh Heupel on Rocky Top. And that is something that uh, Coach Heupel noted here. We're seeing it on the practice field. The competition is insane. It's Mm -hmm. making us better, particularly on that defensive side of the ball. And, you know, he makes a great point. He doesn't mention Pruitt, but the former coach was a defensive guy, so when you make that change, a lot of his guys left the program, and and now they've got essentially a, a full roster of defensive players to work with, maybe for the first time ever. You mentioned the defensive front, um, and you mentioned how well they played against the run early. How deep are you there, and how encouraged are you where that defensive front is? Yeah, but. Yeah, the run game part of it, the defensive line, right, uh, interior and, and guys on the edge. But I thought our backers did a great job fitting gaps, and our safeties were involved in it too. And for a first scrimmage, I thought there was uh, a positive sign of just our tackling in space. Uh, so I thought that was a real positive. Defensively as a whole, you guys have heard me say it before, when we got here, a lot of the you know the kids that had left the program, not all of them, but a lot of them were on the defensive side of the football. And, <clears throat> you know, we've been thin the first couple of years. We added some depth, la- depth last year that helped us take a step, in particular in the, in the run defense. Um, feel like we are continuing to add some real depth and competition. Um, and that leads itself to, to real competition on practice. Who's going to be the first one running out? How many snaps each guy's going to play? Um, but uh, the competition on the practice field in the meeting rooms, a, a coach's best friend, and, and uh, we have that. That's in the interior. It's out on the edges, too. Uh, the, the athleticism, the ability to rush the passer, not just defend the run, is also showing up here in training camp, too. I, I like some of the strides that we've taken. All right, Chase. So, I mean, these comments have got to get you fired up for uh, the defense to continue to take strides. And, again, I know Tennessee's defense got a black eye because they got embarrassed on national television – but they also won them four or five games last year. And if they keep on getting better and they bet, they have better depth, uh, I mean, there's no reason they can't do the same this fall. You know what? Yeah, I mean, just improvement, Mike. If we get improvement that from an 11-win season, who knows what could happen with the Tennessee Volunteers. So, yeah, I, I, as, a, as a Volunteer fan, you, you're naturally going to be excited when you hear stuff like this. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we got to get an update on the quarterbacks. We know it's Joe Milton's show, but everybody, Shay, wants to see what that freshman Nico's got to work with here. Let's kick it over to Josh Heupel, who it sounds like they got themselves two great quarterbacks on Rocky Top. Joe, I thought operationally it was really good. Uh, there's some situational stuff that uh, we can be better, you know, coming out situation. Um, you know, we did some four-minute things at the at the end as well. So it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, coaches are completely off the sidelines. Coaches are up in the box. Guys got to learn how to operate in between the white lines. So uh, there's growth uh, in that way for Joe. All in all, uh, really pleased with his decision-making, uh, what he did with the football all day long. It's command. How you ship with Nico because he's a freshman? but you want to push him because he's the backup. What's your philosophy on balancing those two things? Dude, you got to grow. You got to grow. Uh, you got to be pushed. We install it. He's running everything. Man, uh, you know, uh, you've heard me say that when they finish spring ball, when they come back, beginning of training camp, they should be a different player. He's a different player. He's got great command and understanding of what we're doing, understands protections, understands, you know, how he's got to get us out of, you know, it could be run, run, run check, pass, run checks, whatever it might be. And, um, he hasn't been perfect, but he's grown. He, you know, uh, one of the things that we talk about is not making the same mistake twice. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. He learns from it. Um, there's, uh, you know, a rep yesterday is he's going through his reading progression. Tight window on the inside, throws the ball while he's standing in the pocket. You can see him vis- visually like, hey, man, I should have got out to the next one outside. He's, uh, he's intentional and has great work habits. All right, Shane, so, I mean, this is just a luxury because some teams yeah. don't got one quarterback here. But, uh, I mean, these comments about Nico, I, I know if all goes according to plan, he, don't, he doesn't even see a meaningful snap this year. <laughs> could, no. I mean, every time he'll be in the game, they'll be, they're already up 40, you know. But, uh, man, th- this has got to get you fired up. Doesn't make the same mistake twice, huh? I'm sure that could come back and get him somewhere, but that's like it's like the opposite of Mike, you know, when he's going on Paul Five. I'm like, Do you gotta go so hard on Alabama this time, Mike? Gotta turn my notifications off for twenty four hours. <laughs> well, speaking about going hard on I guess Alabama shit, let's kick it on down to Athens final coach clip here. Again, we ain't gonna get this these coordinators ever again down in Georgia until they make uh, you know the national championship game. That's the only other time they, they let these guys speak. So Mike Bobo back. Of course, he's been down there in Athens, but back in that offensive coordinator chair. I thought it was interesting, Shane. He was asked, you know, he's had some failures, not necessarily at Georgia. He was an all-time great offensive coordinator at Georgia, but uh, some of his other stops went, did not go as expected. Uh, how does he handle that? And it, does he have to redeem himself, does he feel at all? I thought this was an interesting answer from Mike Bobo. Would you say you're bringing any sort of extra edge to the job this year, given the last two coordinator stops? You didn't have as much success as you're accustomed to. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I have the same edge that I've always had. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, those things didn't work out. And when those things don't work out, you look yourself in, in the mirror. Uh, you don't point fingers or, or make excuses. They didn't work out. And come here with the, with the mindset that I'm doing everything possible to help us be successful at the University of Georgia. And that's that's my my edge uh, as, a, as an offensive coach. It's not, okay, this didn't work last time. In this situation, I got to prove 
myself this time. Uh, you know, I always tell the players, you know, there are going to be moments that, that we have failures. Uh, and you keep getting yourself back up on your feet because what's on the other side of failure is success. Uh, and keep putting yourself out. That, that, we know this job has pressure. There's pressure that comes with this job. I've sat in this chair. I understand those pressures. And I think I'm older and have more experience uh, now to handle those pressures and focus on our football team, especially our offense, what I'm in charge of, and getting them ready to practice on a daily basis and getting ready to play on Saturday. Well, and I think it's the right answer too, Shane, because it's, I mean, I don't think he, if you, if you linger, there he is, he's at the house. If you linger on what happened in years prior, I mean, I, I think that can negatively affect you. And again, I don't think Mike Bobo, despite what happened at South Carolina and Auburn, if you really know those situations, it wasn't the offense that failed those programs. It was the right. other side of the ball. Um, I don't think Mike Bobo's got a lot to to answer for. No, I I, I don't either. I, I think that was that's obviously more situational with those last two, you know, outings, three outings, if you if you go that far. But right. but again, you're you're with the two time reigning national champs and the you know people are making bets to see if you go undefeated this regular season so <laughs> i don't think there's as much pressure as there has been at some of the other establishments he's been at and he knows right. what's there it's not it's not like his first year in georgia so um he he knows exactly what he's getting into and i think he answered this this perfectly what well, i've also heard it said Shay, that uh, everywhere he's been the last you know 10 years or so there's pressure on him to score X amount of points because the defense is so weak. And that's complete 180 from what <laughs> yeah. they got this year. I mean, it's, you know, score 20 points, you're probably going to win every damn game. And they're probably going to average about 40. So yeah. there, there's not going to be a ton of pressure to, to force the issue, so to speak. And I, I think that'll help Mike Bobo as well. Yeah, but, I mean, there will be pressure because, oh, again, yeah, yeah. you know, there's perfect perfection is expected in Athens right now and if we see some sputtering right out of the gate there's going to be some people pointing around and the first one they're going to point at is Mike so I don't want to say he's getting off here scotch-free but again he's got a, a hell of a roster he's got a defense to fix any mistake that the offense makes and you know and if he continues to improve who knows Mike may be the next one getting an opportunity somewhere else to coach I can already see the headline Shane Georgia wins by 16 at Auburn. Is Mike Bobo on the hot seat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like that. Oh, I know. How you remember, are we only winning by 15, you know? It's going to be like, you remember South Carolina, they had the coaches and then they had the Saturday, you know, they were zoomed in on the coordinator and going back and forth. It's going to be the same thing down there if, if things get tight. But if they don't, you won't even know he's on the sideline. Right. And, Obviously, what's going to help him, Shane, he's got maybe the best player in all of college football. Brock Bowers, uh, Mike Bobo, provide some insight into uh, you know what kind of character, what kind of motor this guy's got. And I thought it was a pretty interesting comparison, Shane. Compared him to, a little bit to uh, Nick Chubb in one aspect. Yeah. Hey, Mike, you've coached a lot of uniquely talented players, and I think Brock Bowers fits into that category. What is your sort of plan of getting the most out of him this year, and how is working – with players who are that talented, challenge you as a as a play caller, as a coordinator, as a coach to 
to get better and find better ways to use okay. them. Okay, well, number one, uh, as a play caller, uh, it's about players and not plays. Uh, that's number one. Your job as a play caller, if a guy's got a unique ability to make plays and plays that turn into explosive, we got to find a job as – do a good job as a staff of designing plays that, that get him touches. Uh, as far as of, of getting the best out of Brock Bowers, uh, you're going to get the best out of Brock Bowers every single day. Uh, he is not a guy that needs to be motivated. Uh, he's locked in in every meeting, every walkthrough. Uh, I, I had the good fortune of sitting in the tight end meeting room last year and being able to see, you know, how something he, – he's a guy that when Coach Hartley would mention it one time, he got it. Uh, he did not need a lot of reps. He's extremely smart. Uh, and he's very humble. Uh, he reminds me a lot of a guy like Nick Chubb when I was here before that just went and worked every single day. Uh, he tried to get better no matter what he had done the day before, the game before, the year before. He was constantly trying to improve his, in his craft. So um, – you know he's he's a joy to coach and I'm glad he's a joy. Well, he can squat two thousand pounds. Is that? <laughs> is that <laughs> I haven't seen that video yet. <laughs> well, I mean, two Hall of Fame dogs right there. I mean, it, whenever you're getting compared to Nick Chubb in any aspect, you know you're one hell of a player. You know what? God, he's like the opposite. Man, Mike Mike spends fifteen minutes just motivating me to get on the show. You know, like you got this, brother. It's Friday. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. And, and you know, these one percenters, man, of of the NFL, the the just football in general, you know, they come around so often and and it, it this guys like that, I think that just set expectations of a program. You you were talking about a true captain. I mean, he is. But the the amount of effort and work that he puts in, you ask anybody that follows Georgia down there, nobody works harder than that man right there. And I think that is you're you're setting up future generations when these kids these five stars is you know their ass has been kissed all year all, all their whole life tell them how they good they are and then they see somebody that is like taking it to the next level i mean that's why george is able to do stuff like this because of guys like brock bauer so i mean yeah. absolute freak athlete i i god i hope he's a pittsburgh Steeler one day we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll bring back we'll reunite the tight ends you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> All right, final uh, quick update here, Shane. Let's kick it on down to Gainesville, where they had a scrimmage here on Thursday. And so, uh, unfortunately, and I don't know the severity, so let's fingers crossed this isn't bad, Shane, but uh, projected starter at uh, edge, you know, linebacker, defensive end, Justice Boone, suffered an injury and, and didn't finish, had to, had to leave the field. And this is after, a couple days after, Shane, their breakout linebacker, Shamar James, got banged up. Now, it sounds like Shamar James is going to be back fairly soon. Probably won't even miss a, any action. But, man, for a, for a team already being doubted to potentially get banged up with two key defenders, young, promising guys in a new scheme, uh, man, we, we just got to f- fingers crossed these guys are good to go because we, we are desperately going to need them right out the gate with Utah on the road week one, Tennessee week three. You can't yeah. be down some key defenders, you know what? No. I mean if you're if you're picking a team in the SEC that cannot afford that many injuries, Florida Gators is definitely toward the top of that list, Mike. Uh so yeah, we're we're gonna we'll we'll be sitting here with bated breath, but I, I don't know. I mean I'm I'm you know, I know just as much as you do in that situation and and uh but again, just Billy Napier's system 
man is creating depth slowly but creating that depth so you know eventually this is going to be one of those programs like if you have a guy come down you'll have a guy to step in and i think we're going to be a little bit a little bit deeper this season than we were last year and the good news shane for florida fans according to cousin shane Graham Mertz going to throw for 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. <laughs> be a mad passing attack in the SEC. You don't even need defense. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be scoring 100 points every game. So, <laughs> All right, buddy, that's all I got. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, man. Awesome week, brother. Uh, don't forget, set your clock Sunday. We're going to be back on. 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, we'll be live, so set your notifications on YouTube. Um, that way you can chat chat with us. You know, I don't get to see I just got to focus on the camera. That's all I got to focus on. Mike, Mike will tell me if you guys are saying something. But you got some comments, questions, anything like that you want to talk about, that's that's what this is. It's it's a little bit of an open forum. So if you got, you know, a, a question in your camp or something like that you want us to answer or talk about, chime in. This is your show just as much as it is ours. But, uh, no, Mike, I appreciate all the cousins coming out and uh, look forward to seeing them Sunday. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate all the cousins out there. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.